Our scripture reading this morning is the 100th Psalm. Hear now the word of God. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Friends, this is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to ask you uh, to begin this morning by imagining something for me. Imagine maybe some aliens from outer space, or if that's too hard, just some scientists from another country, and they are visiting the United States to study us. And they land in the U.S., and they start digging around in libraries and watching the news, trying to learn everything about who these people are. And they find out about our history and our flag. And they read about the revolution. And they can't believe Ben Franklin wanted our national bird to be the turkey. And they think we really dodged a bullet when we went with the bald eagle instead. And they learn about barbecue. And they make a note to do further testing. They notice our propensity for frying anything, anything to make it taste better. And then they find our national anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. It seems really important. They keep reading about it. It's old, but it sticks around. And the way people talk about it, moving, impactful, powerful. And they're curious. So this little group of them, they decide to read it to themselves. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched we're so gallantly streaming. Sounds like the Christmas story, doesn't it? The temple a little. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? They read it, and they think, take it or leave it. The words are pretty. It's kind of nice, but they don't get it. It doesn't really do anything for them. And it's it's not just that they read it wrong. And it wouldn't even be that they really need to have sung it together. It's the national anthem. The national anthem. The power of it is that it's shared. The power in that song is where it's been. It's that when you stand to sing it and you watch the old vets and the young vets proudly remove their caps and honor the flag they've defended, it it does something. And it's hearing it sung by the U.S. Armed Forces or Celine Dion or Carrie Underwood. and, And I did some research on YouTube and you should do this. I hadn't heard Whitney Houston's version. Oh my gosh, just the tears. And it's having stood to sing this song with your grandparents and your parents, and now with children and your grandchildren. And it's when you feel the shockwave of the jets go overhead as the singer hits those big notes. And for me, it's the Olympics. It's the Olympics. 
These men and women who have worked their whole lives to be excellent at running or skating or jumping, their whole lives, countless hours and sacrifices, but then as they're honored at the crowning achievement of their lives to that point, they raise the flag, our flag. And as the anthem plays, you see the pride in their face. But this isn't just about them. That's our anthem. That's our flag. They represent us. Do you have a memory of that song? The star-spangled banner. Can you feel it? If you just read it, if you sing it by yourself, it's nice. But for it to work, for it to get deep, to have the chills, you've got to be there to carry it, to sing it, and then sing it again and to do it together. And all those memories, they they build until the song means something. And that's why this psalm, Psalm 100, doesn't usually work. Usually, if you read it, it's by yourself doing a morning Bible study and you read, Shout for the joy to the Lord, all the earth. Or we read it like today, once a year around Thanksgiving in church before a sermon that will obviously be about gratitude. But that's not right. That's not how it's meant to be read. This psalm is actually part of a very specific ritual. And in the Old Testament, you probably know, they had these different sacrifices you were supposed to do. And some you did when you sinned, and some were for for a specific holiday like Passover, or a time of year like the harvest, and you had to do it. They all had a specific time or situation when you were required to do that sacrifice. Except for one. There's one sacrifice that is never required. You never have to do it. It has no set time you're required to do it. You could go your whole life and never make this sacrifice because you have to choose it. You have to volunteer. It's the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It isn't required because it can't be. Thanksgiving, gratitude, they're always a choice. And obviously you can be grateful because you have it all, but you can be grateful when you have nothing. Because giving thanks is a choice, and feeling grateful, feeling thankful, feeling content, it isn't something we achieve through the right food on the table, or the family around the fire, the right stuff, the right achievements. It's a choice. And God knows this, which is why it's the one sacrifice God doesn't require. He says, you choose. When you are moved, when you look around and realize that you have reason to give thanks, when you notice the blessings I have given you, stop and call the priest and make this sacrifice. It was a weird sacrifice. It was strange. When you decided to make this sacrifice, what you had to do is bake a bunch of bread, a ton of loaves of bread, and then you kill an animal. Something big. And the bigger the better. And then you gather up the family and the friends and the neighbors and even some of the people who aren't your favorites right now. And you bring the bread and the sacrifice and the people. You bring it all to the temple. And then you give the dead animal to the priest and they burn it on the altar. But unlike the other sacrifices, they don't burn it up. They do something we're very familiar with. They barbecue it. 
And then with the people gathered around the grill, cooking, and you declare why you're thankful. You declare why you're thankful. And then you would read this song with the people, with the barbecue going, with your friends gathered around. You would say, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Don't whisper, shout, because God is that good. And serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs because He has blessed us. And as you would say it, you're in the temple with people walking by. The front of the temple is open so people can see you. And you would actually call out to them, inviting them to share your joy. You'd say, enter His gates with thanksgiving. And His courts with praise, give thanks to Him and praise His name. Come in and join us. Because whatever life brings, whatever happens, we always have reasons to be grateful. In every season of life, there are things to be thankful for. So you would shout the song. And for these people, it would be the same psalm your grandparents had shouted. The same psalm your parents had shouted. And you would remember them. You'd remember them and you would say, For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And it has, hasn't it? His faithfulness has continued and it will. And it would have been the same song that you'd said at weddings and births homecomings and graduations and you would remember all those times the times you were gathered together because life was so good you couldn't help it and you'd remember the times you gathered despite life you'd gathered defying the dark declaring gratitude anyway and you'd say it to yourself no no that the Lord is good. Even now, know that the Lord is good. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. And then, when the sacrifice was cooked to perfection, the priest would pull it off the fire and would butcher it and would cut it up. And everyone would start loading the plates with the barbecue and the slaw and the potatoes and the cornbread and the baked beans and the sweet tea and the casseroles. And you'd celebrate. You'd eat and you'd talk and laugh and remember. And you'd waste the whole day. You'd waste the whole day shouting for joy because the Lord is good. But there was one other rule to the celebration. One other rule that God gave them, none of the food could remain uneaten. So when everyone's pants were about to burst and everyone had finished up, what you would do is you would load plates with what was left. And you had to go into the streets, shouting, the Lord is good, come before him with joyful songs, offering strangers plates loaded with treats, plates loaded with your gratitude a parade of barbecue and gratitude, which feels like something we could get into. There's so much we can learn from this psalm. That it was the one sacrifice that couldn't be required. Because gratitude, gratitude is always a choice. You have to choose to be grateful. You have to decide that this is enough. I am happy. I am content. I am joyful with what I have. And say thank you. 
We notice that the praise goes to God, God who has been faithful, God who provides for us, who walks with us through every stage of life, God who has given us so much. We notice that only one person has to call the festival, but their whole community celebrates with them. That we aren't just grateful for what God gives me, we're thankful for what's happening in each other's lives. Because I can be jealous of the good things happening for you, or I can celebrate with you. I can look at the things you have and feel like I'm missing something, or I can shout for joy that God is good. Because there is no good reason someone else's joy should lessen yours. We read that we don't hoard our reasons for gratitude. That breeds jealousy and resentment. Gratitude doesn't shrink when shared, it grows. Which is why God requires the celebration to be a feast in the middle of town at the temple together. It's like the national anthem. It isn't meant to be done alone. Together. Together, gathered around a feast, together we rise and celebrate that God is good. You throw a party. And then you declare to each other the reasons you have to be grateful. So today, I'm calling a feast for the things I have to be thankful for, for my family, my beautiful wife, and my daughter, for our family in Chicago and here, for our new home, for the blessings of food, for this church, this church which is full of life and now is full of friends. For a baptism this morning for all the ways that God is moving and all the things God has done. I'm calling a feast because we have so much to be thankful for. And so we're going to gather at this table. Today we will join this sacrifice of thanksgiving. One of the oldest words for what we do here is Eucharist. And Eucharist means thanksgiving. And this is Christ's feast. Whereas he walked toward death, he gave thanks to God for all the blessings God had given him. And here, where Christ gives thanks for you and for me. So we come here with our gratitude. We come to this table with our gratitude, celebrating what Christ has done. We come here with thanks on our lips. And we know it's not Communion Sunday. That it's not the first Sunday in the month. But we're hoping you'll do this with us because this text requires that we celebrate together. It begs us to bring our sacrifice of praise, our sacrifice of thanksgiving. It begs us to gather around a table and tell the story of what God has done and what God is doing. It begs us to come to this table and give thanks. So in just a minute, we will bless the bread and the juice and we will invite you to come forward. But as you come forward, we're going to do it a little different. We've done it like this before. You can think of it as a passing of the peace. To, uh, what do Southerners say? Hug someone's neck. Tell them what you're grateful for. Tell them why you're grateful for them. Invite them into your gratitude. Let them invite you into theirs. So we'll invite you forward as you are so moved and until you are, just give thanks. Give thanks. I'm going to invite our elders forward who are helping serve communion. On the night of Jesus' arrest, 
and took bread and after giving thanks, blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and said, I am thankful for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me and give thanks. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant which is sealed in my blood, shed for you and for many. It makes you clean. So when you drink it, give thanks. Whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we remember. We remember what we have. We remember each other. We remember what Christ has done. And we give thanks. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we remember that this is your feast, that you called it a feast of thanksgiving. That here we come to feast on your spirit. We remember that it is enough, that in you we have enough. And we call to mind all the other blessings you have given us. And as we come to this table, we come to tell you thank you. Thank you for our blessings. Thank you for your love. May we find you at this table this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.